Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. It's a trap. It's a trap. It's a trap. Let's go. It's a trap. It's a trap. It's a trap. Offside trap. Um, I am Tim, as always, joined by the lovely Kevin Bradley, who held it down last week for his chat with. I felt so bad. I was thinking his last name was Kinkhead. It's uh, Kincaid. Kevin Kincaid, the other Kevin from It's Always Soccer in Philadelphia. If you guys haven't had a chance, um, it was nice as like a as a spectator listening. It was, I wasn't involved it was, in it. It at was all. not entertaining not having you there to back me <laughs> up and, and cover for me when I inevitably make an ass out of myself. So uh, thank you for that. Um, and as is the, the tradition with this, uh, with this show, the segment, as it were, the series, we're trying to bring a, uh, extra perspective from the, uh, the, the opposing, um, from the behind opposing the lines. Fan page. Yeah. Behind, behind enemy lines, lines. Behind enemy like lines. that Owen Wilson movie. Um, and this week we are going up to Columbus to play the crew and we have Patrick Murphy of massive report joining us. Patrick, thank you for, uh, do you prefer Patrick, Pat? Whatever's, whatever's easiest. I'm, I'm pretty easy going when it comes to that. I'm going to stick with Patrick. All right. Yeah. It's what everything says. <laughs> I'm just so used to, because I shortened my name. I'm so used to Oh it. yeah, I guess so. I never had to deal with that having a long name that potentially has a nickname. Nobody says Kevo really. I thought your <laughs> or name Kev. was short for Kevincent. It definitely is. It is now. Yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, as, as I was alluding to, or uh, we're, we're going up to Columbus this weekend, break the international break, which you guys didn't have to deal with. Right. I mean, you guys had a game or, on or Saturday. Did, is that right? did they have to deal with it? I, you could kind of argue either way. And uh, crew fans were certainly not pleased about playing um, during the international break. But yes, they did play on Saturday. And they lost 3-0 to Philadelphia without five players. So it didn't go well for the crew. Yeah, yeah. We we So we were kind of talking about this earlier. And being sports fans, you try not to read too much too much down the lines of doing sports math and trying to say, well, we drew Philadelphia and then they go up and pull out a win against Columbus. So then right. therefore we should win. Um, but definitely sort of a backstep for Columbus. I would think from the opening few weeks 
playing Philly even without some of their players uh, for the international break. What do you think maybe led to some of the downfalls in that game or some some points of concern if there are any playing uh, yeah, an, outside an of the, team? Outside of the five players not being in, uh, in contention. Right. Yeah, well, I think there certainly are some issues. And I just wrote about this actually just a little while ago. But I think there were issues that that maybe weren't that were there over the first three games that maybe just weren't as prevalent because they were getting results. Um, you know, I mean, if you go back and look at these games, crew were two were two and one. The tie came in the opening weekend against basically the second team Red Bulls team uh, because of Concacaf Champions League. They brought you know mostly a reserve lineup to Columbus, and it was a one one draw. And I think people were, you know, okay with that because it was the Red Bulls and they were the supporters shield and it was the first game. And then you go to New England and win and and looking at it now, New England is not very good. And, you know, I mean, it's only four weeks in, but this looks like one of the worst teams in MLS right now. And you, then you beat a Dallas team at home 1-0 and, you know, that's a, that's a solid win, I guess. But I think Dallas is still trying to figure out what it's going to be under Luchi Gonzalez after so many years under Oscar Pereja. Um, and then you go to Philly a team that you know might might be better this year but I'm not sure they're they're going to be you know contending for for championships or anything like that and you just lay an egg um and I think that the big issues were playing out of the back um they gave the ball away far too much coming out of there and and that hadn't been much of an issue the first two weeks um but the biggest thing is an inability to to create offensive chances and the the crew had this issue at times last year only scored i think it was 43 goals a lot of those came from Giassi Zardes um the first two or the first three games of the season he's got two goals and center back Gaston Saro has two um and i looked this up today Saro had three total goals in his career before uh before this season so not a guy i think that they can rely on for for goals and it's just you know the, the winger production is has been an issue the last two years. The crew traded Justin Merrim after the 2017 season to Orlando. He went down there, and and that he didn't a, last very long. No, and that was a huge debacle. He comes back and played fine for the second half of last year, but just wasn't the scoring threat he was the year before. Um, you know, he just hasn't found that form. And he's very much a confidence player. Now he did just score on international duty with Iraq, so you know maybe that helps things but uh pedro santos is a guy a designated player who fans have been really disappointed with i think he's played fine i think people just expected him to be more of a goal scorer and that's not really his game but he has one goal in in a year plus here and has had plenty of chances to to score more than that he should be a guy that has five six goals i think would be a would be a realistic thing and then you know creating chances and whatnot um so they need they need to find offense um you know, this was an issue last year under Greg Berhalter. The the answers that Caleb Porter's kind of given have been running a, a higher counter press, you know, looking to kind of turn teams over as they come out of the backfield when when they lose the when the opponent loses the ball. And then you, you know, obviously get the ball back in, in better scoring positions. It's worked to some degree, and it may be the answer as the team continues to progress under Caleb Porter and, and get more used to that, because that is a bit of a change from how Greg Berhalter did things, but you know, it was it was painful to watch this team offensively in Philadelphia. Um, one shot on goal, five shots for the game. Yeah, they just couldn't do much. Now, you know, like I said, no Giassi Zardes, who's you know been a guy who's scored with regularity. Will Trap has been very good. Um, 
you know, playing the ball through the midfield, at least at the MLS level. And, and they severely missed him. Federico Iguain played arguably his worst game in a crew uniform. Um, I was talking to some people after the game and, and you know, ob- obvious panic when you lose one game. But, uh, you know, is Federico Iguain done? And you know, I don't know if he's done, but, you know, it is something that they'll have to consider at some point. But he played a poor game. So I don't know. This Saturday will be very interesting because I think it will tell us in Columbus, you know, where this team kind of stands is were the first three weeks, a bit of a fluke and they just got results or was last week with guys gone a fluke. And, and, you know, they come out and play well against, you know, what I still consider despite the results, a very good Atlanta team. So I think it's a big test, um, you know, for, for this group that's been together for some years, but Caleb Porter and his new coaching staff here, it's their first real challenge, you know, in, in the early part of the season. Yeah, I think we're all sort of in this limbo state right now of trying not to read too much into results. And one of the things I want to caution a lot of Atlanta fans maybe listening to this, even if the result happens to go our way, I I still think it's really premature to to decide what this season's going to be. But you talking about a Columbus team that's struggling to find offense, I think that's been a lot of what's been disappointing to watch from the Atlanta side. It's Mm -hmm. trying to find them to – trying to find them – building some sort of consistency on offense and, and a lot of that's been a change in personnel and a change in identity but also a change in trying to find any sort of level of consistency in the build-up and run of play um it, it'll be it'll be really interesting to see a columbus tactic that relies on people pressing um and then hitting on a counter considering that is so contradictory to what Atlanta has been trying to do offensively under Frank DeBoer, which has been more of a uh, risk adverse possession based game that wants to draw maybe a bunkering team or a, a team more hesitant to play out of their backfield out of position and then get one or two quick passes to lead up to a breakaway and then maybe distribute over from the wing. So um, it'll for a team that's, anticipating a, a team pressing against them it'll be it'll be sort of a, a battle of patience and will i think in this matchup because i don't know that atlanta's going to be that team that's going to press really high and really hard uh at the top of the top of the line yeah and i want to clarify just on the on the pressing thing because this was something that that i think fans had to learn here in columbus when they heard caleb porter talking about pressing it's not pressing in the sense that like the Red Bulls do or, you know, some of, some of these other teams yeah. that press, you know, all the time. It's more just, you know, if the crew turn the ball over in, in the offensive third, they're going to look five, six seconds to try and win it back right away, as opposed to maybe, you know, starting to drop off. And they did that a little under Greg Berhalter. I mean, I think most soccer teams do, you know, if you, you lose the ball and there's, you know, a numerical advantage to try and get it back, it makes sense to do that. But um, they've just done it more this year. And it's been a thing where when there's the right cues, when they see, you know, hey, we've got this guy here and this guy here and we can win the ball back after we've given it away. Let's, you know, bust our butts to try and do it real quick. And then, you know, maybe that gives us an advantage offensively. So it's not going to be a high press, you know, system or anything like that. I think, you know, for for most people, when you watch the crew play this year, it looks a lot like it has the last five years from, from Greg Berhalter. Caleb Porter's not different um you know unless you really get into kind of the nitty-gritty tactical stuff i think they are doing a little bit more build up in the middle of the field um you know involving our tour and will trap a little bit higher than maybe they were in the past um under greg they did a lot of our tour was kind of your number six and 
trap was your eight and you know they were defined roles now the the two kind of run the double double pivot which has allowed you know them to be higher up the field and, and help win those balls um so you know other than that i think you're going to see you know the crew are going to try and possess i always think these atlanta columbus games regardless of the results have been fun because i think they you know under, at least under tata martino and i i think frank DeBoer, it, though he's doing it in a different way you know, very tactical, you know, you, you, you see the chess match between these two teams. Um, it's gone a lot of Atlanta's way in the regular season, obviously. Uh, but, you know, I, I find these games to be very interesting because of, of kind of the, the shifts and, and whatnot that the coaches do throughout the games. So going into, going into the, uh, into the game this weekend, are we going to see Jossie Zardes back and, and Justin Miram? Are they going to come straight back into the lineup or, um, yeah, I would think so. Now, would, it, it'll be very interesting with Merrim because the the game against Dallas right before the international break, they dropped him for Rabinho, who's a, a young Brazilian kid they signed in the offseason. He was actually signed, or the, the process was started under Burhalter, so he's not even really a Caleb Porter signing, but he officially was announced under Porter. Um, and he's kind of a speedy winger. I'm still not sure exactly if he's ready for, for MLS yet, I think it may be a, a year or so of him. You know, I think he's more of a guy you can bring off the bench in the second half, but Merrim wasn't playing well. They tried something else. They got a result. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, if they go back to Merrim, if they stick with Rubinho, I thought Rubinho was really bad against Philly. He was getting bodied off the ball quite a bit and, you know, he's a slight guy, but not enough to, to, to get, you know, having, have the ball taken away the way he was. So, um, but I think, yeah, you'll, you'll most likely get uh, Giassi back in there. Will back in there. Zach Steffen's a guy who um, didn't play last week and didn't go with the national team because of a, they're calling it a minor knee injury. It sounds like he'll also be back this week. Well, we'll, they didn't train today. They train, they start training tomorrow. So we'll get a better idea there, but I imagine those guys come back from, from what it sounded like out of the national team camp um, after that last game they're going to lo- rotate the lineup a little bit. So, you know, I don't even know if, if a guy like Will plays heavy minutes, Jossi plays heavy minutes. Um, and even if they do, I think, you know, you probably, especially given the result last week and, and how the backups looked, you probably get them back in the starting lineup as quickly as possible, assuming, you know, no injuries or anything. Yeah, certainly. I mean, if, if, if those guys are back, no, like you said, no injuries and, and they're ready to just be reinserted in the lineup, you're talking about an upgrade at one, two, three, four positions. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it was like immediate upgrade. So it's, it's almost as if, you know, we have to look back a couple of weeks to even get uh, relevant footage to, to, to prepare for, because I mean, I, we're guys that gave Jossie Zardes as much guff as everybody else in the league before he went to Columbus. Sure. And then we he came too. to Columbus and he's been lighting it up. And it's a guy you have to absolutely, he's, he's one of the best number nines in the league. And um, he's a guy you have to account for at all times. And, and then the quickness of Pedro Santos and, and Higuain, are, I, I think that you have a nice counterweight in, in Justin Miram whenever he's playing along with them. Um, that you have to kind of take the – you have different types of playmakers on, the, what I on, think, that, on that second line. What I think may give uh, Columbus a little bit of struggle is if, if they're trying to maybe – stack more players in the midfield and, and build up play from the midfield is Atlanta has been trending in the same direction this season and playing a three back formation. And so now all of a sudden you've got four players on top of each or eight players really between the two teams in the midfield, sort of clogging up some of those passing lanes and how that may have to adjust some of the tactics that both teams employ. We saw 
Atlanta ch- kind of changed their approach against Philly where they were bombing uh, passes forward uh, in possession up to the wings and then trying to get some crosses over. And some of those led to some 50-50 balls and losses in possession. So if, if you do have a lot of numbers, how does Frank DeBoer's tactic? That's that's the big thing that I'm trying to watch is how Frank adjusts to different offenses and different lineups in the formation that he's putting out there every week. So we did have a question in, in the live well, we chat. Can get to that. We can get to that with okay. with whenever we get to more. Of oh, the, yeah, yeah, good yeah, point, yeah, good the, point. So what it, I want to get your impressions so far. I mean, you've touched on it a little bit. Just um, your impressions with Caleb Porter so far. Obviously, Greg Berhalter had a great tenure there. Um, obviously, earned himself the 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 head coaching job with the men's national team. What is? I mean, there was a lot of fanfare around Caleb Porter being the successor, just due to his success whenever he was with Portland and just the pedigree that he has um, in his career in MLS and before. I mean, what? What has he, I mean, we're kind of dealing with similar situations. Has he kind of lived up to the expectations? What, I mean, what, if any, uh, expectations did you guys have coming into the season with him? I think the expectations are to kind of maintain and in, you know, in his eyes, and he talked about this as introductory press conference, you know, elevate this team from, from the success they had under Greg Berhalter. You know, he was not shy about talking about wanting to win championships, um, you know, whether that's the open cup, the MLS cup or, or supporters shields, you know, he brought it up right away at his press conference, you know, the first, first day. So that's, that's a, a bit of a change because, because Greg was much more of a process type guy. And then in practice, um, you know, I think he, he barks a little bit more. He's, he's kind of on the guys, which has been different than, than how Greg was. I mean, you know, Greg's not afraid to, to let a guy know, you know, he's doing something wrong or anything like that, but, I think that, you know, Caleb is just different in that sense. Um, but other than that, you know, in terms of, like I said earlier, the way, the way they want to play, it's both a possession attacking system. Um, I think Caleb has learned in MLS and, and Greg did this too over his time, but that you need to, to be able to adjust to things. Uh, I think, you know, if you, if you go back and look at the run that Portland made um, in 2015 uh, when they won MLS cup, you know, it wasn't the same Porter ball that, that he'd played the first couple of years there and, and made famous at Akron and, and whatnot, that possession style. They went to a more counterattacking style because of the personnel they had and what was working. And it they went on a huge run that pushed them in the playoffs. So, you know, we haven't seen a ton of, of variation yet, but I think you may see some more of that than, than under Greg Berhalter. Um, yeah, I think a lot of it, though, is still the same. Um, I think that fans... We're very excited about him because of what he'd done before. He's a guy, a Midwest guy, you know, grew up in Indiana, went to Indiana University, played there, um, and, you know, said he was, you know, coming to crew games throughout that time because, you know, before the fire even, there was that was the closest place to to go. Um, you know, and then obviously when he was at Akron, that's a, you know, hour and a half, two-hour drive down. So a lot of familiarity, which I think people liked. Uh, you know, he can he can talk about the crew back in the day with, with no problem. Um, but yeah, I think it's, like I said, a lot of the uh, same ideas. There wasn't a lot of time given when he was hired because of all the, the stuff that happened with new ownership to, to make a lot of changes here. Um, you know, I think that could be something we see this summer, or even next off off season when, you know, they, they move some personnel if, if they feel like they need to, but, uh, so he's working with a lot of the same guys, 
doing a lot of the similar stuff. I think that could change maybe once he starts to bring in his own players. But yeah, right now I think yeah, they've been very similar. I think the expectations are, you know, the same. I think fans expect there to be a run to the playoffs and, you know, then you kind of see what happens there, especially with the new MLS playoff format when, you know, you're only playing one game and you can advance the next round. So, um, but I do think he has set the bar at, Hey, we, we want to be a team that's, you know, contending for things all season and, and, you know, not just make a run to the playoffs at the end of the year, which I think that's ideally what Greg wanted to do, but it was less talk about that on a, on a kind of weekly basis. Yeah. You, you mentioned a little bit about fans expectations regarding mm-hmm. playoffs or his performance. Um, I guess what are fans expectations? There, there was a lot. And we talked to you before we started the show. I, I'm sure you guys are sick of hearing and talking about the whole save the crew movement, but um, the crew is here to stay for, for the time being. And for as long as we can hope to see you guys in the league, yeah. um, what's what's the new expectation has been has there been a newfound commitment to the team from uh the culture or the fan base and and what are those expectations going forward now that there's some sort of renewed ownership or investment in in the team from the front office yeah i think there is is definitely new expectation um you know when you you get a new ownership um group you know that features the the people that own the Cleveland Browns and then a local guy in, in Pete Edwards, who was the team doctor uh, since 1996 here. And, you know, has been around the team since then. And, and is a guy that fans, you know, were familiar with because of that. Um, you know, I think that that changes things. No longer is your owner living on the West coast and only around from time to time. Now, you know, they're present, you know, they, the home opener, the, the whole Haslam family was, was at the game and, you know, on the field before the game pete edwards has been at functions you know pretty much all off season since the ownership was announced um so that's a big difference i think that you know the the save the crew movement if it if it did anything it kind of raised awareness that for a club that maybe in the community had gotten a little stale you know the it's been since 1996 i think that you know that was a time when soccer was just starting to get popular and so at the beginning it was it was cool and new and then you get into that lull and i think a lot of original mls teams have seen this where unless you're winning you know a lot of a lot of places have struggled to, attendance wise you look across chicago league, fire the past few years yeah, that's for sure chicago you know dallas even houston yeah. which wasn't a, a 96 team even you know the galaxy when they haven't had a zlatan or somebody yep. have you know not gotten i think a lot of that has to do with with where mls was putting stadiums and and stuff at at the time but you know so i think the crew went through that and you know, the, the Anthony pre-court ownership didn't help matters. You know, we can debate when the Austin move kind of came into being, but, you know, I can tell you firsthand the, the marketing the last couple of years here was, was very small. You know, there's a example that was going around a lot last year. I forget what game they played, but the local broadcast uh, during halftime, I think it was played an advertisement for a game that was two weeks old. You know, they just hadn't updated the ads for, for the next home game. You know, things like that. And uh, I talked to um, one of the the guys before the Philly game and, and he was asking me about, you know, the plans for the new stadium, which they hope to open in 2021, which will be downtown. And, and, you know, that'll change things a lot, I think. But we were talking about the current stadium and, you know, he was asking if they've done anything different there and, and they have. And I was like, things as simple as, you know, making sure the toilets in the bathroom work and, you know, the lights work. It, it just had fallen into such disrepute 
under pre-court. And it was so very clear that, that they were way out the door that doing simple things like that, you know, that the, the average fan, when they go and, and the toilet works, you know, that's not something you think of, but when you realize, you know, there's only one toilet in one of the bathrooms that works and you have to wait in line twice as long, you, you may not come back after that. So they've started with the little things um, in terms of the new ownership. Again, it's, it's just been since January, but even the signage at the stadium, you know, that stuff hadn't been updated in terms of, I mean, they, they, uh, they'd updated it when players had left, but now it's new graphics of, of, you know, guys like Iguine stuff that, you know, it, it just looks fresher and, and, and whatnot. And Moffrey stadium is what it is. You know, it was built in, in a matter of months because the crew were playing at Ohio stadium where the, the Buckeyes play football and that was going under renovations during the summer and they had to get out or they weren't going to have a place to play. So it was built quickly and, and you can just tell that, but uh, you know, doing the little things has, has been a big difference. Um, you know, and then they're trying to be more active in the community, which I think not only is, is a nice gesture, but also raises the crew's awareness from people that maybe don't, you know, pay attention to it as much. For instance, they had media day at, um, an inner city elementary school and announced there that they were building a, like a mini field for the kids in the neighborhood, you know, stuff like that. It's, it's really kind of simple things that, you know, you would think a lot of owners would, would just do naturally. Um, but you know, they're, they're kind of having to start from square one a little bit, which is sad to say for a team that's been in the league as long as the crew have. But, you know, you, you're starting to see that that translate. And the, the opening game had, you know, almost 18,000 fans, which, you know, given the attendance figures last year was was pretty good. Second game was, was not, I think it was like 9,000 something, but the weather was really crappy. It was St. Patrick's Day weekend. You know, you, we, we can make all sorts of excuses. I would expect this weekend to be another, you know, pretty well attended game. Um, and I think that'll progress as, as we get into the summer and things are nicer, especially if the team's doing well. Um, but you know, with a team like Atlanta coming in, that's a name that I think fans recognize. So, you know, it's, it's, you know, another chance for the team to kind of sell itself, but you know, they're at least advertising for it as you know, on time and, and whatnot, which is, which is a positive. So yeah. And in terms of expectations with the ownership, I think that, you know, you, you kind of, are going to wait and see just because it did, you know, happen so quickly before the start of the season. Um, you know, they, they want to open this new stadium. they seem to be doing due diligence on that, you know, visiting other, other soccer specific stadiums, the newer, I think they went to sporting Kansas city. They went to Minnesota and looked at that. Um, it's going to be right downtown where the Columbus blue jackets play. Um, there's a lot to do around that area. They just hosted it, it nationwide. The, first and second round of the basketball tournament and the place was packed, you know, bars and everything. So it'll be what, you know, what I assume it's like in Atlanta. I haven't made it down there yet on game day and, and whatnot. Um, you know, I like, like what soccer games pregame are supposed to be. And that'll be a huge step. Um, you know, and, and until then, I think, like I said, they continue to make upgrades, continue to be involved in, in you know, marketing this team significantly more than it has been. And, and you're kind of building towards that 2021 season, and ideally, you know, you, you've hired Caleb Porter, you've hired Tim Bezbachenko, who helped put together Toronto FC. Um, and then, so ideally your on the field product is, is still positive too. And, and that grows the fan base, but um, you know, the save the crew effort made a huge impact. A lot more um, season tickets were sold. I think they are expecting by, you know, mid season to, to set a record um, just because again, it was so late in the process when they were able to take over Um I'll be interested to see in terms of local businesses that 
kind of pledged their allegiance to the Save the Crew stuff if, if they follow through and, you know, become sponsors or, or whatnot. Um, I haven't heard anything on, on that side of things, but, you know, it, it, there's definitely more of a buzz because of what happened. And, you know, I don't want to say that anything like that was a positive because it was hellacious, to be frank with you. But, you know, it, it, it did revive the city's interest in the team and, you know, even, you know, local TV stations have, you know, made it an effort to come out to training more often. And, you know, there's, there's the interest there that they know of, Hey, if we put some crew stuff on, you know, the, the sports part of the nightly news, people are, are interested in that. And, you know, I think that'll continue too, especially in the summer when, you know, you don't have Ohio state football, basketball, blue jackets are done playing, you know, the crew will kind of be the only thing in town that's, that's going. So um, it'll, you know, I think that always helps too, to just kind of have the name out there a little bit more. Sorry if I went on way too long. There. Oh, no, you're totally fine. So along those same lines about changes in the culture or um, how the fans have reacted to this renewed effort, what are some of your favorite traditions or things that some of the supporters groups and things that have carried on a tradition? I, I would think that some of the fans have become sort of hardened and, and um, galvanized through that history and sort of weathering the storm for what 13 years now what what's some of that history entail and what are some of the things 23 years you mean 23 years jesus yeah no i can't i'm bad at this game that's Um, right i don't do math either (laughs) carry the one literally carry the one it's it's a good thing math isn't a big part of my job meth (laughs) yeah well (laughs) that's a much bigger part of my job (laughs) um i think one of the things that save the crew did was it brought together, you know, there's a handful of supporters groups and it brought everyone together. You know, they were all fighting for one cause as opposed to, you know, we want our chance and we want, you know, our banners and whatnot. And I think that 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 was a cool thing to see. Um, Now the question is, and I think we're still up in the air is whether these, these people all remain together because they were certainly butting heads beforehand. But um, in terms to answer your question more directly, I think that one of the, you know, one of the cooler things that they do um, on game days here, you know, they have what they call the mega tailgate, you know, all the supporters groups in one area of the parking lot. And it's, you know, super open you know, and then people outside the supporters, you know, the supporters groups come, um, you know, there's food, there's beer, there's liquor, um, you know, and it's just, you know, it's a big, really, yeah. And it, it's a big party in the parking lot. Um, you know, some of these guys get out there, you know, even for a seven thirty game, they're out there at 8 a.m., um, not everyone's out there at 8 a.m., but there are some guys that are a little more uh, eccentric that, that get out there that early. But, you know, that's that's kind of a cool thing that's developed over time here. You know, it used to be kind of the supporters groups did their own thing and you kind of bounced around to to various tailgates and whatnot. Um, you know, so that's one of the things. There's also been a, a renewed effort in, in terms of TIFOs and, and banners and whatnot. Um, and that was always a thing that that had been done here. but I think last year, again, with the Save the Crew stuff, there was a lot of effort. You know, sometimes they were very anti pre-court <laughs> type of things or, you know, positive Save the Crew stuff. But it got people that, that maybe hadn't been involved in that, that were, you know, artistically based or at least creative involved. Um, and so that kind of helped. It's, it's interesting because, you know, the supporters section in, at Moffrey Stadium is, is in the corner. Um, and there's the stage, you know, kind of behind the North goal, if, if you've never been there. So, you know, you, you can see it on TV, but it, it, you know, it's not the ideal TIFO raising spot. And, I, you know, it looks like from their ideas for the new stadium that 
you know, there'll be more behind the goal um, type stuff, which is, I think, kind of the more soccer tradition for that type of thing. Um, so there's that stuff. I moved downtown, you know, in terms of the, the tailgating and whatnot, because there's not a lot of parking down there. That's something that I think will have to be addressed, whether, you know, I know, in, for instance, in Cincinnati, they've, you know, each supporters group has their bar and people kind of bounce around and then they all march to the stadium yeah. together. Um, so I'll be curious to see what kind of happens there because that has become a, a pretty cool thing. But uh, yeah, well, you know, that's something for them to decide as, <laughs> as we get closer to that. I was going to say what you guys do is very similar to, to what very. the Atlanta United culture does okay. because we have this, for the time being, we have a giant parking lot um, that's underground, I guess, still exposed, but it's, it's under, it's a sub level. Gotcha. Um, and all of the supporters groups, official and non, they all get together and, and do the same thing. Had a quick question from, uh, Tony Naito in the live chat. He, um, brought up something interesting, something that kind of intertwined the teams in, in the rumors. Um, he said, what was the response in Columbus with the rumors uh, preseason if Nagby uh, or what about uh, Nagby wanting to be in Columbus with Caleb Porter? What was the kind of the response or the buzz up there? I think people were excited, um, especially, you know, the less, uh, I don't, less tactical people. Because, I mean, I think you know, from my perspective, it was like, yeah, Nagby would be a great addition to this team, but I don't know where he plays you know, you've got two established guys in there. Will Trapp played under Caleb Porter at, at Akron, so he's obviously familiar. Our tour has been pretty good. Um, you know, do you put him on the wing? He's not taking Iguain's spot, you know. So it would have been interesting to see. Uh, but, yeah, I think that's a name that, that people certainly knew, and especially because he went to school at Akron. Um, I believe he's from Cleveland, the Cleveland area. Um, I know he's from Ohio, but uh, – Yes. So, you know, I think there was, there was certainly a buzz about that. Um, I think it, you know, kind of happened and then you didn't hear anything about it for a while and then it went away. So, you know, I think that had there been more coming out about it, maybe it would have carried on a little bit more, but yeah, people, you know, when we wrote about it, um, you know, it, people were commenting and, you know, excited to kind of get a guy with, with that recognition, um, you know, if it would have come. And I also think people were interested that, a guy like that wanted to come to Columbus, you know, that Caleb Porter maybe has that kind of pull and not to say Greg Berhalter didn't, but you know, Caleb's just kind of had, you know, had been in the league longer and, you know, won a championship, which Greg didn't. Um, so I think that that was something that crew fans were, you know, excited to hear that an a, a American international like that, you know, may or may not have wanted to Columbus, come to Columbus, or at least that that was out there. So um, I guess in closing, what are your expectations for the game this weekend? What's your score prediction, and and what do you think uh, is the final result? That's a good question. I was literally before I came on with you watching that Atlanta Philly game um, to get a better idea. I mean, I watched the Champions League game, most of the Champions League games. Atlanta. I don't know. It's gonna you know with with the way Columbus played last week. Um, I'm uh, I'm rather uncertain about this team right now. I think that you know they they just. I think there's there's these flaws that I can't tell if that was just last week or if you know they'll be they'll be fixed this week. Whether it's um, you know the the defense you know kind of giving up these plays, um, to, you know giving up balls out of the back and 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 not making tackles, or if they'll go back to the way they were the first couple weeks where you know they were very sound defensively. I think Zach Steffen, assuming he's 
you know, healthy from, from the knee injury makes a big difference, not only in terms of the, the saves he can make, but just organizing the back line. Absolutely. Yeah. Joe Bendick, you know, obviously a guy who's been around the league, but has had his struggles, um, you know, especially last year. So, uh, I don't necessarily put, goal. Yeah. I was going to say, I don't know. Uh, I don't necessarily put all that on him as much sure. as the team around him. Whenever you, you force a keeper to make 42 saves a game, you can only yeah. expect so much. Well, he gave up three more last week. So, it's not <laughs> there you go. but, uh, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if, Maybe a tie. I don't, you know, I just don't, I'm, I'm very uncertain about this team. And I even went into the Philly game, just having like a gut feeling that things weren't going to go well, like yeah. that they were due for a, a slip up performance, especially considering the guys that were gone. Um, but uh, yeah, I'll go with like a, a, a one, one, two, two tie right now, but I reserve the right to change my opinion as we go through the week. So, so check back. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds great. Uh, so speaking of checking back, where can the people check back to find all of your, thoughts, opinions, and, and breaking analysis for the crew throughout the week and, and weeks to come. Yeah, we're at massreport.com and you know we've got a, a pretty pretty sizable staff at this point. Um, you know, so we, we do I think pretty good work when it comes to the team. So if you're looking for updates on that, we'll you know certainly come check our stuff out. Um, and then you know personally I'm on Twitter at, at underscore pat underscore Murphy. Um, and then the massive report accounts just at mass report. So we'll have stuff throughout the week. Um, you know, I also cover Ohio state football and basketball. So if you don't want updates on that, maybe don't follow me on Twitter. This has been my favorite couple of weeks as a Clemson fan <laughs> talking to FCC fans. And now you yeah. these Buckeye fans has been awesome. Right. I imagine. So I guess I'll say the same score prediction this, this week, as I said that week, my score prediction for this week, 31, nothing. Okay. That's <laughs> okay. <laughs> I should have seen that. Uh, thanks so much, Patrick, for coming on, man. It's been a lot of fun. Looking forward to this weekend. I, I think you said it perfectly. These games have always been a lot of fun to watch, no matter what the outcome is. And, and I expect nothing less out of this weekend's matchup. So if you're ever down in Atlanta, be sure to hit us up and we'll sure. take you. We've been telling everybody, we're going to take everybody on the cup tour to magic city whenever they come down to watch an Atlanta game. So, well, I need to get down there at some point. Cause yeah, what you guys have done down there is, is pretty awesome. So I will let you know if I, if I make it down this season. Awesome. Yeah. Man. We'll show you a good time. Sounds cool. great. Good. Thanks so much, Patrick. Yep. Absolutely. All right. <sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center. Thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Ah. <sighs> The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place.